0: Coming up this week, off screen.
1: Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson have a late night.
0: The X Men meet a Dark Phoenix.
1: We meet a dirty god.
0: Sebastian Lelio reintroduces us to Gloria Bell.
1: Liam Gallagher tells it as it was.
0: And we learn about eating animals.
1: All those to come and more, off screen.
0: This is this is off screen. Off screen. Ooh. the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I'm Kelly Coulson. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, sorry, I've not heard it out loud yet. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I've actually heard it, I'm just not registered yet.
1: I've got a new name.
0: Yeah, I remember when you were starting out, when you were just an intern working for me and my top exec, John, bet me that he couldn't turn you into the prom queen with your glasses and your pigtails and your dungarees. I've and,
1: never known the story.
0: Oh, 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 oh! My God, is the Marriage Foundation a rocky star? Sorry, sorry.
1: It's so, a good job he's rich. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're painting real life. Okay, so before we get to the cinematic musings for the week, the reviews, the box office top five, which we always enjoy, of course, yes, we do. tweets included, and, uh, and and you know the, the film news. We need a piece of news to start off. So something big. What's going on? Give me something.
1: Uh, as usual, I'm going to defer to you, but I've heard a, heard a little rumour. Mm-hmm. That uh, Warner Brothers are skipping out on Comic Con this year. What's that all about?
0: Well, actually, this is the weird thing. They're skipping. Out. There's going to be little Warner Brothers presence there, mm-hmm. you know, like kiosks, marketing posters, things like that. Uh, obviously, the first poster for Wonder Woman 1984 came out this week, and Looks it's very this, cool. Yeah, very pat, gl- glam pop kind yeah, of a, yeah. an aesthetic. Very Olivia Newton-John, isn't it?
1: Very 1984.
0: Very much, and uh, <laughs> so there will be things like that. But they won't be doing uh, Hall H, which is you know the big when you the see the one when you see the panels yeah, that we yeah. always get, They won't be doing those how come and well the reasoning really seems to be that there isn't much to put out there this year for them it's, okay. it's just going to be one of those i mean there's there's joker but is that really something you want to show off in that way given the whole focus is to, to be more of a an independent kind of a seeming film if they leave it till the following year they can go back strong they've got they have batman stuff they can have Ugh. the suicide squad things like that Ugh. So uh, yeah, Marvel skip it sometimes as well. Did to they? be fair, yeah. Well, Marvel have years where I think they did last year they they didn't do all H because there was nothing to show. Which well, uh, fair
1: enough, I guess. Yeah, just uh, accepting you're going to have a pretty lame year. Fine.
0: It is a bit. It does feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> you <know?
1: laughs>
0: but you know, there there are some times when you hear about like when you see a film studio slate for the year mm. and you you look at the eight films they're releasing that year, for instance, or something I well, It's how it used to be. It used to be, like, eight films. Nowadays, it's, like, 15, 20.
1: But, like, isn't it theirs?
0: It is theirs. Or is but that just
1: coming out too soon for them to bother?
0: I think it is August or September. Uh-huh. So I think they'll be doing Comic-Con and really only be putting out a, a, a final trailer. Which, do we really want that for it? I think the fun with it is, I think, going to be the, uh, the surprise. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Doesn't he have to become a spider in this one, like an alien spider thing? The clown Man.
1: No idea. Absolutely yeah. no idea. I, f- I forget. Me too. I've seen the original, you know, yeah. several times. albeit the last time probably about ten years ago. So therefore, don't remember a single thing.
0: I watched the original when the the new one came out in twenty seventeen, and I'll be honest, I think I only got halfway through it before something came up and I got distracted, and I. It's really long. Yeah, it is. It's about four days long. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, give and take. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so no Warner Brothers this year. But oh, well. uh, in the meanwhile, uh we should before we get on to our first review of the week, uh we should uh, which is instantly gonna be a Fox film. They are at Comic Con as far as I know.
1: Well done, because,
0: Fox. Well I presume they've Slash still got Disney
1: now? I don't know. I think so. Would they not fall under Disney?
0: I don't think so. Well they've still got new mutants to vlog, so you know, they need to that's still jewelry. a thing. That's still a thing. I'll get to that later. Ooh. But uh yeah, so in the meanwhile, before we get to X-Men Dark Phoenix, or sorry, Dark Phoenix, there's no X-Men on the title. Is there not? No, officially sure. there's not. It's Dark Phoenix. Oh. So sure. but the X has a circle around it, so you know. So, just so you know. Got it. Yeah. So it's
1: more of a visual cue. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so uh, we can find <laughs> our extended podcast edition, which this week is going to include a chat about the film Eating Animals, a documentary narrated by Natalie Portman, Ooh. and uh, more film news, bags of film news, because we usually fit so much more into the podcast extras than True we do that. the actual show. And, uh, yeah, moment of case, sign us off, because how else are you going to go out than you know, with the sea dog? But, it's uh,
1: tradition at this point.
0: It really is, isn't it? So let's talk then, first review of the week. Let's talk about X-Men Dark Phoenix. Sorry, sorry Dark Phoenix. I keep saying X-Men Dark you, Phoenix. You
1: can't help yourself here. On. you're ruining it oh. you're ruining their film
0: yeah it's almost like the 19 films that they released before this conditioned me for something <laughs> they did as it happened they conditioned me to be disappointed by X-Men movies and I'm glad you're they you're still
1: disappointed by them see that's, I, that how naive. me I
0: know, I'm naive incredibly aren't. naive I'm like an abuse victim yeah. That's what it is.
1: Stockholm Syndrome. That's
0: totally what it is. Okay, so Dark Phoenix, which is the fourth movie in this current series, uh-huh. but the seventh one, I think, I would make it the seventh one... Is of,
1: only seven? ...of
0: the main X-Men franchise if you don't include the Wolverine movies or the Deadpool ones.
1: Okay, yep, So, enough.
0: yeah, that's the way to look at it. And people love to include the Deadpool and the Wolverine movies because if you do that, then the actual Rotten Tomatoes score for the series averages out mathematically to be better.
1: Even including that original like Origins Wolverine. Which love... I enjoy. <laughs> really? I really like it. It's like it's like you know I love a bad film. I like That's it for a
0: reminder it. of that brief period when Hollywood tried to make Lynn Collins a thing. <laughs>
1: It's the fact that it has Will I Am in it. I think oh, like, God. It makes me so happy. Because I Go hate him well, so Will. much. <laughs> oh, William. Anyway, back to yeah. Dark Phoenix. Dark
0: Phoenix. So it's nineteen ninety-two. Mm. The X-Men are now beloved by the public. They get called up by the president one day because a NASA a NASA mission has gone wrong. A solar storm, like an energy cloud in space, has like <sighs> wounded their ship gravity style above Earth's atmosphere. So the X-Men take the X-Jets up into space and they night Crawler across uh-huh. and like Quicksilver through the through the debris and things like that, and they you know to save the astronauts. But then Gene Gray gets all Fantastic Ford so the energy cloud like bombards her literally uh-huh. like Fantastic Four. This comes by the way after an opening that is literally the opening from Shazam with the kid in the car, oh, uh, yeah. but that but in daylight. So Ah. we've we've ripped that off, then we're ripping Fantastic Four off. Then, because she's been hit by the energy blast, Uh Jean Grey has to suffer more than any human being ever should. She has to relive most of the B story from X-Men The Last Stand. Here's a clip of Jennifer Lawrence having an argument about ethics with James McAvoy. Please, tell me it's not your ego. Being on the cover of magazines, getting a medal from the president. You like it, don't you? As opposed to being hunted and despised. Well, you know, actually, I do. It's all just a means to an end, Raven. What end is that? Keeping us safe. You should understand better than anyone that we're only ever one bad day away from them starting to see us as the enemy again. So what? We wear matching costumes and smile in pictures that to make everyone feel price safe? That is pay for keeping the peace. By risking our people to save theirs. Yes, yes! It's funny. I can't actually
1: remember the last time you were the one risking something. And by the way, the women are always saving the men around here. You might want to think about changing the name to X women
0: You had a question, Miss Colson.
1: So you're telling me yeah. that this is 1992? Yes. And James McAvoy is yep. still not Patrick Stewart at this point? Well,
0: he would have... Well, actually, that's the weird thing, because the other continuity established that he looked like Patrick Stewart in 1983. Uh, Th- that's so, my point. Yeah. Don't don't even go there. Um, Incidentally, the thing you may have missed in that clip is that when you break it down, is Oscar winner winner Jennifer Lawrence.
1: You were going to say Gerard Butler.
0: I almost said Gerard (laughs) Butler. I wanted to be an Oscar winner, clearly. That is Oscar winner Jennifer Lawrence telling a man in a wheelchair off for being lazy and not putting himself in harm's way in space. That's about right. It does, doesn't it? This is also a movie, incidentally, in which Storm can control the weather in space, a place renowned for its weather.
1: Loves a bit of storming in space. Yeah,
0: right. Um, you ever heard that? You, you, well, you have parents, same as I do, so you've do. heard the expression, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Uh-huh. That is me with this this film. Like, Less the franchise, I have other issues with the franchise. I can't be annoyed with Dark Phoenix because it doesn't try hard enough to be crap it's not as offensively bad as X-Men the last stand or X-Men Origins Wolverine. you. Okay. However, that's largely by virtue of it simply not trying. They've reshot this noticeably several times. And what if I was to hazard a guess, what had actually happened was the Disney deal was going through, the next set of reshots came along, apparently because it bore too many similarities to Captain Marvel at times. Mm. And there is a race of shape-shifting aliens, so it kind of makes sense. And it's obvious that because they knew that that was going to be the end of the X-Men franchise as we knew it, none of the actors were motivated to be there. And it shows. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely ending with a whimper and not a bang. There's a point at which the X-Men beat up a bunch of dudes with MCU written on them in big white letters. What? Mutant control unit. Um, but you do have to wonder no one saw that, or everyone saw that, one or yeah, the other. We did. And you can't help but think that that one little wisecrack is the most effort that's gone to the whole film. The only one putting in any effort is Simon Kinberg, because this is actually one of the better directed ones. Uh-huh. Um, other than that, it is a waste of time. It is a fumbling of elements that you have seen done to death, not only in a billion other movies, but in these movies. It's better than X-Men Apocalypse, better than X-Men The Last Stand, better than uh, uh, Origins Wolverine. But it's because there's no effort for it to be offensively bad. It's not willing to put in the effort that necessitates you getting annoyed about it. Sure. So, bye, X-Men. I hope it's fun in the queue to join the Avengers. Hmm. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off Offscreen. The movie marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Coulson. I'm sorry, Miss Needham then. Ms. I know, and I wouldn't have even questioned it. <laughs> you wouldn't. It's still early days. It's right. a
1: transitionary point.
0: But uh, we need to move on to um, a documentary about a transitionary point. Oh. So clever segue there. You're welcome. So let's talk about it officially titled, according to IMDB, Liam As It Was. Uh-huh. Now, I've been referring to it as As It Was, uh-huh. because that seems to be the title in big, bold letters. Uh, as It Was, Colin Liam Gallagher. A billion titles to choose from either way. It's a documentary about, guess who? Who? Liam Gallagher, no less.
1: Wow, oh, knock me down with a feather.
0: So this starts in the wake of the breakup of Oasis and uh-huh. then breezes very quickly through Liam Gallagher's time in as the frontman of BDI. Uh-huh. Uh, not a band I was overly familiar with to me, as they kind of passed no, me by. Me neither. But actually, some good tracks recorded this movie, so you know, I, heard a few, I heard a few that intrigued me. I didn't know Liam Gallagher actually started a solo career either, and that's where this goes and where it focuses. It focuses on his efforts, uh-huh. having basically, in his mind, conquered the world with his brother to now facing you know, the, the idea of just who is he in the music world without his brother? Can he prove himself and that is the focus of our documentary. As you can imagine, being Liam Gallagher, this is the sweariest documentary you've seen <laughs> in a long, long time. In which case, here is a massively bleeped clip. I'm not doing this to be more famous. I'm f-ing famous enough, you know what I mean? I'm not doing it for the money. I joined the band because I love music. I know how f-ing great I am, and I know how I am, you know what I mean? Proud of. F- Staying alive,
1: man, being here, man. Not becoming a b-
0: casualty. Not letting the b- hit you down, man, all the people who've written you off, who were sitting there for the last 10 years going, man, he's b- gonna be dead now, he's definitely gonna blow his brains out, gonna have a drug overdose. They've got all them press headlines waiting, but I don't think it's gonna happen, lads, you know what I mean? I think I'm gonna stick it out. So the attitude remains intact. Yeah, that see. was
1: kind of like watching a daytime uh, Jeremy Jeremy <laughs> Springer Jeremy Kindle, Kindle, or Jerry yeah. Springer episode where you're you like something. what
0: we're never going to see one of those about Zayn Malik in 15 years' time, aren't we? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, Zane, Then were that. the days.
1: <laughs> all directions. <laughs> oh, 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 oh.
0: Love it, love it. I feel like we just made a pitch right there. Um, this I thought was really terrific, actually. It's yeah. a really slick, really engaging and interesting documentary. The reason it works, and I say that because I don't like Lynn Gallagher. Personally, I'm team Noel all the way when it comes to those two. Yeah, I I think
1: most people are. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Liam Gallagher is the personality. Noel Gallagher is the brain.
1: Yeah, he seems like the one that you'd actually want to kind of hang around with.
0: You'd want to learn, like, stuff from. Yeah, Yeah. whereas
1: Liam, like, probably great on a night out for a bit. But I imagine he's one of those people that just kind of pecks at you all the time.
0: That does come up in the documentary. Now, the guys who have made this, who are Gavin Fitzgerald and the brilliantly named Charlie Lightning. Uh, mm. Oh, I know. That's raw Uthorg right there. Um they married got, him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> That's your monster truck rally name. Duh. Change approved. <laughs> but, um but uh, they've got unprecedented access to mm-hmm. both Liam and his inner circles. A lot of archival material that's you know obviously very been captured in very very under very intimate circumstances. It is like no other documentary you would have ever seen. It's not like definitely a cut above the sort of fan standard documentary you used to find on VHS in HMV way back when. Things like that. This is very cool. It's not quite Amy. Well, but you know, it would be
1: hard to be, beat. To be fair,
0: would wouldn't it? Um, I like it, it on one level because, like I say, I don't like Liam Gallagher. the The documentary never asks you to, yeah. and it never asks you even to particularly understand him. It just asks you to go along on this journey with a guy who has this specific mindset. Uh and just can't seem to process why it doesn't quite work out for him and the changes he needs to make and the little bits of his personality he needs to dial up and dial down accordingly in order for it to work, how to then find his creative spark. And it engaged me. I was genuinely interested by it. I I thought it was a really great, fascinating documentary. However, Mm -hmm. we've now had Supersonic...
1: Which oh I'm, yeah, sure. Yeah, of I course. did I buy
0: that for John one Christmas. I think. I think like you that. did. Uh, we had Supersonic, which was about both of them. Went all the way up to Nebworth. We've got the Liam one, which is now post split onwards. Can we have a Noel one that's about like Nebworth to the end of Oasis? Because I still want a documentary to really tell me how Oasis properly broke down.
1: I feel like Noel though is such a. He seems like such a or less showy person that that's probably why it doesn't exist yet.
0: Mm, probably. But, but
1: who knows? Yeah,
0: we shall see in due course. Should we have a bit of film news before we move on to the next review? Then something real quick. What we got? Go
1: on then. Um, so Bill and Ted obviously is coming out pretty soon.
0: Bill and Ted face well, the music. Just yeah. over
1: a year. Uh, but they've now cast the daughters. They have Bill now. And
0: Ted. One of these I was overjoyed by. The other one I had not actually heard of. Same. So Bridget Lundy Payne from Atypical. Which Never is heard of it. Issa Rae's uh, TV show. She is going to be, I think, uh, she is Billy Logan.
1: Yeah. So Ted's
0: daughter. Yeah. Named for Bill. Yeah. Bill S. Preston, Ted Theodore. Yeah, yeah, she'd be Ted's daughter. And uh, 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 Samara Weaving is apparently the daughter of uh, Bill. So she is Thea Preston.
1: Thea, get it.
0: Theodora. Ted, yeah, exactly. Um, Man,
1: those guys are too close.
0: I know. Well, they got announced the other way around, those bits of casting, so that Bill's daughter was a brunette and Ted's daughter was a blonde. And my immediate takeaway was, in all the years they were off writing that Kiss song, at the end of the last one, Uh there was partner swapping going on. (laughs) Clearly. Um, So, yeah, so we've got that to come. So we have uh, Billy Logan and Theodora... (laughs) Sorry, Billy Logan and Theodora Preston to come, which is... Interesting. Well, I Weaving. want
1: to check which one you were thrilled about, though, to make sure it's the same as me.
0: Samara Weaving from The Babysitter, yeah, obviously. Obs. And obs. Three Billboards. Of She's great fun. For...
1: She is. She's... And I'd never heard of the other one.
0: No, <laughs> no, I have not. I've never seen I'm any of. I'm sure typical, she's fine. but I'm sure she's good. You know, fair play to her. Shall we do another review really quickly? Shall we talk about uh, the new film by Sebastian Lelio? Go on then. I can tell that that just piques you, piques your interest. Right you know up me;
1: there. I, I love me some Sebby Lel.
0: <laughs> so, uh, some <laughs> Sebby Lel. So, Sebby Lel is back, um, adapting his own uh, previous film. So, this is a film what? he made years ago. He made Gloria, and that was a foreign language film. He has now adapted that for the English language and cast Julianne Moore ah. as Gloria Bell. Uh-huh. Gloria Bell. Yeah. So, this stars uh, Julianne Moore as Guess Who.
1: Gloria Bell?
0: Imaginatively enough, yes. <laughs> uh, she is a middle aged woman. She's gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. She, she's divorced. She's on her own. Her kids are, you know, outliving their own lives. She has she's a yeah. grand. she's a grandmother to young children. Yeah. But she's kind of in her own on the world again. In her on her own in the in kind of on her own in the world again. I'm forgetting words today. It's been a long day, I apologise. <laughs> she's on her own in the world again. Just
1: like Diane Keaton in it's complicated.
0: I've repressed most of that movie. Is that the one with Keanu Reeves?
1: No, it's the one with Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin.
0: That's the one. Someone gets their junk out on webcam. Um,
1: I think. Possibly.
0: But anyway, sorry. I must rewatch it. <laughs> so it's about the relationship she forms with this man of her dreams that she encounters, played by John Turturro, who just seems too good to be true. And I'll tell you what, I'll set the tone for you with a very disco-friendly, very poppy trailer clip of the romance between these two.
1: Love is in the air. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And I don't know if I'm being Hello? Are you asking me out? Out, out. You want more off the sides? Uh, a little bit more than that, actually. Love is in the air. <laughs> a little more, a little more. <laughs> If it were water, i would be a glass. If it were a foot, i would be a sock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't get you out of my head. The chemistry between the two is actually really good. It's actually yeah. really engaging, really immersive. They play really well off one another.
1: Because yeah, that was fairly vomit-inducing.
0: Fairly, I know. Uh, the film itself, though, is a lot less kitschy than that would suggest. Mm-hmm. It is really stirring. It is gorgeously shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian Lelio has made just an absolute firecracker here. And Julianne Moore is terrific in it for all the reasons that Julianne Moore usually is terrific to the point where you know, you can almost be dismissive about it. Yeah, uh, cumberbatch situation, you know that kind of like that. Like we know he's going to be good. If but- you say so. Anyway, um, this can be overlooked on theatrical anyway because, you know, it's out the same week as Late Night, same week as an X-Men movie that doesn't even have X-Men, the title. And so it'll <laughs> get overlooked. It doesn't deserve to be because uh, I think, particularly women, the age that Julia Moore is meant to be in this, will see something actually quite... Uh, Quite interesting and raw and honest, and I thought that was yeah. actually a really good move for this. one. I really enjoyed this.
1: It'll probably be more um, successful when it comes out on like DVD and stuff.
0: I think yeah. so. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, it occurs on release. You be able, you can watch this on demand. So oh, sweet. yeah, there's that also? I mean, I love the disco soundtrack. I mean, obviously, at some point she has to dance to the song Gloria. Obviously, and spoiler alert: yeah, she's going to dance to the song Gloria, and you know when it happens? Well. I bloody loved it. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Miss Needham. Miss Coulson, again, I've done it. See, I will get the it's hang of... It's just
1: it. going to happen. In the
0: space of this one show, I am going get, to uh, get to grips with the, the, the Needham-Coulson divide. That's what it is. <laughs> That's, that's what it is. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust the Colson Neiman spectrum. That's what it's going to be. So um, shall we start the box office top, start and finish, the box office top five for this week?
1: Go on, let's complete it.
0: Number five.
1: It's Detective Pikachu.
0: Which you've not seen yet.
1: Oh, you? don't remind me.
0: Well, I mean, it's a Ryan Reynolds movie, so I'm surprised you weren't there with bells on like day one. I've
1: been kind of busy.
0: No. I saw this with Calvin, who oh, is Oh, every this. minute. He's falling out of his chair laughing. Such oh. a, He's a, he's one of those Pokemon fanatics. He's,
1: yeah, but I was when I was at school. And I was hated for it.
0: <laughs> I was I was around his place the day before, actually, and I noticed that he had one of those little pokeball joystick things for his uh, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> And so, utter dork. Um, he loved it. I actually thought it was really good too. Now, I don't know Pokemon, but I did see something in it where I did look at it and think, that's this generation's Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Whether it gets leapt on, lionized, and integrated into pop culture quite as much, given that it's already an established brand, yeah. I don't quite know. I don't I imagine doubt it it. I think
1: Roger Rabbit was such a thing on its own mm. back in the day, whereas now, as as awesome as this film sounds, we yeah. have so many other. Similar things. Plus, this
0: has no Jessica Rabbit, and we, that's crucial, that too. crucial ingredient. Crucial sure. ingredient. Sure. So, um, has anybody tweeted? What do they think about it?
1: Indeed. So, uh, bear with me on this one. Uh, at I am too phenomenal. I refuse to say what your name is on Twitter. Fair enough. Uh, look it up. We're allowed. Uh, just watched hashtag Detective Pikachu. It was joke.
0: It, it did in fact contain jokes.
1: Number four. Rocket Man. I had to sing it, I'm sorry.
0: Of course, of course. I uh I really loved Rocket Man. I thought it was a really great time. I thought it absolutely trounced Bohemian Rhapsody in just about every department except for the lead performance, because Taron Edgerton's good. Taryn Edgerton's great. Yeah. There's no Ray Malik. Come on. And as bad you it's might the think... only
1: thing about Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. we really had going for yeah, it. Yeah, it. it totally is. Apart isn't from it? the music, obviously. Well, yeah. Was Rami
0: Malek. Although, total cheat, by the way. If you ever buy the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack, it's just a Queen album. What? Do you not know that? No. Yeah, yeah. The Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack is basically just a Queen album, which you've already got. It's good music. It's good music, but I mean, you know. Sure. If I buy the Rocketman album, I get to hear Taron Egerton sing.
1: But he can sing.
0: He can, surprisingly well, actually. Well, we already knew that from the movie Sing, didn't we? Precisely. uh, But, yeah, I thought, great movie. Um... Yeah, I I I've I really been enjoyed it. I, I don't really have much bad to say about Rocket Man. Oh, I mean, it's maybe not quite as explicit as uh, people seem to think it would be, given the controversy. Certainly not in off. Russia. In Russia, yes. <laughs> I had to do a BBC slot all about international censorship because of that movie. Oh,
1: because
0: it turns out that I'm one of the people that knows a lot about it, which is awesome. Sure. <laughs> I know. So, has anyone tweeted Rocket Man? Did they love it? Did they loathe it? Where did they stand?
1: Uh, so, this is someone called Moll. Okay. Um, at Undo Mole. And she says, it's nearly been a week and I'm still not over Rocket Man.
0: Fair play. Number three
1: The Secret Life of Pets 2.
0: Everything I wanted from the first movie. Hooray. And I really enjoyed it. I, I had a great time with it. I, I thought uh, Pat Oswalt stood in very well for uh, a script that was clearly not written for him, that was obviously written for his predecessor.
1: And... I thought you were going to say Predator then.
0: For his Predator, yes.
1: Freudian slip? Uh, we
0: know he was, but
1: um, yeah, I had, a good, I
0: had a really good time with it. I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as good as it was. It was bright, it was oh. colorful, it was engaging, it was cheerful, it was uh, upbeat, it had a lot of fun, it had a lot of gags, it had a lot of heart, had a poppy-boppy soundtrack. You know, the whole thing feels like something that comes on a Starbucks gift card. It's that level of cheerful. It
1: just uh, sounds better than the first one.
0: Totally is, and it even has a superhero plot wedged into it, clearly by a studio exec's notes, oh. and they somehow pull it off. Also, Harrison Ford owns this as Dog Harrison Ford. So, <laughs> has anyone tweeted about it?
1: Uh, yeah, so, at Saber says, I would watch hashtag Secret Life of Pets 2 just to see hashtag Harrison Ford be snarky for an hour and a half.
0: Undeservedly so. Number two.
1: Godzilla, King of the Monsters.
0: Better than the first movie uh,
1: There's a theme here f-
0: better than the first movie better than uh ninety eight's Godzilla that's for damn sure. <sighs>
1: That's a low bar.
0: It's a low bar. Apart isn't from it? the
1: soundtrack.
0: Oh, that soundtrack! Yeah, this can't compete on the soundtrack level, uh, man. Well. This ain't got no Diddy, man. No <laughs> ain't
1: ditty. got
0: no Jamiroquai. No Jamiroquai. <laughs> no Warflowers covering Bowie. Anyway, <laughs> no Green Day remixes. Nothing. Anyway,
1: what are you doing?
0: I know way too much about that soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, great time with it. It's it's a film that's only really going to work though if you are the kind of person that can sit and enjoy kaiju leveling buildings for two hours. If you're a, someone that thought Pacific Rim two uprising was not terrible you'll think this is the greatest movie of the year okay. if like me you thought it was a terrible sequel to a much better original you'll probably think this is pretty good cool pretty good i'd say yeah.
1: how about if you're a person that thought it wasn't that terrible it wasn't as good as the original then you watched the original and you thought actually this film's terrible too
0: mm, you might think it's just all right Maybe all right. all right. It's better than the 2014 Godzilla, put it that way. Sure. So, who's tweeted? What do they think?
1: Uh, loving their uh, Twitter name here. At Kraken Trainer. Fair
0: enough. Excellent.
1: I will throw the critics this meagre bone. How guilty. <laughs> there's a lot that happens in hashtag Godzilla King of the Monsters that only makes sense to me because I've seen all 34 previous hashtag Godzilla movies But that's exactly why I loved it so much.
0: Oh, he's clearly drowning in the honeys, isn't he?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Number one.
1: Aladdin.
0: You saw it, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Am I
0: right? Is it terrible? it's pretty bad it's pretty bad isn't
1: it I I enjoyed it more than Beauty and the Beast okay. I wasn't a big fan of Beauty and the Beast but you, you yeah. but I didn't think this was great I mean Will Smith was probably the best thing about it but even then I mean he has some moments that make you want to kind of peel your skin off with cringe
0: yeah hoping it's blue underneath yeah,
1: yeah well indeed <laughs> but
0: uh, yeah I yeah, didn't like Aladdin at all. I mean she sings a song called Speechless and mm-hmm. then they silence her Which I think is just amazing.
1: That is a tune, though. I'm going to give them that one. You really? When I heard that they're thrown in a new song, I always hate that. I mean, the one from Lion King is terrible, if you've ever heard it. Morning Report. awful. So I was like, oh, great. But actually, I was like, you know, this is a pretty cool song. So who's
0: tweeted? What did they think?
1: Uh, So at Courtney underscore Shania. Okay. All
0: the 90s names right (laughs) (laughs) there.
1: Just get them all in. Uh, She says, I don't care what anybody says, at Disney Aladdin was a heckin' good film and hashtag Will Smith was absolutely incredible as the genie. There is nobody else who could have done that legendary role justice. Hashtag Aladdin.
0: I mean, I'd argue The Rock exists, but never mind. Oh, good point. Totally would have done that. Totally would have cast The Rock. Um, we're, we're done for, we're pretty uh, shredded for time. Can we just jump straight on to Dirty God? Really quickly? Because I don't want to sell it too short. So, Dirty God is a new drama set, uh, set and filmed in Britain by uh, the Danish director Sasha Polak, I believe. Sasha, Sasha Polak, sorry. Starring first-time actress Vicky Knight. Now, Vicky Knight has a skin condition that looks like uh, w- enables her to physically play an acid attack victim in this. Oh, wow. And this is, this is her first acting role. Uh-huh. She's a young mother. Her ex-lover has done this to her in a fit of rage. The court case is going on in the background. She's trying to move on with her life. But basically, the debilitating uh, condi- the debilitating physical condition she's in leaves her feeling as alien as the film informs us she is when it literally opens with this almost alien landscape Uh, opening sequence shooting over her scarred skin as if it's the sort of surface of Mars. Oh, wow. And then positions her as this sort of alienated figure as she just tries and struggles to find any kind of a human connection separated by this obvious physical barrier. Um, I've got a clip for you.
1: There was this one time (laughs) I was still in hospital and my mum brought Ray to see me for the first time and she comes in and she clocks me and she goes... (laughs) She goes, monster... So my mum, (laughs) my mum, she's like, it's a nice monster, Ray. You know, from in the night garden, see babies, have you seen that? Um, And I'm just laying there looking at her, like, she kept on saying it and nodding her head. Kept on saying it. I was...
0: Sorry, I had that wrong. Vicky Knight was in a fire years earlier. That's a, they're actually ah. uh, they're flame burns. So, so
1: they are actual burn scars. they
0: actually burn scars. Yeah, I thought I didn't know if it was a skin condition. Um, she's genuinely fantastic in it. It's a really terrific performance. Like you know, I love making a comparison to like an exposed nerve.
1: Yeah,
0: that's this performance and really cleverly directed as well. So what Sasha Pollock's actually done is crafted the film in such a way so that the actual tone and the energy and the momentum of it and the look and the feel shift constantly. So from one minute to the next, it's not actually the same film. When she's tripping out in a club, just losing herself to excess and inebriation, the film goes that way. Uh And when it's romantic and optimistic for a moment, the film is that way. And it feels bright and colourful and quite a large, sweeping film. But then it also can feel hallucinogenic and trivial. It's a really interesting film. Mm. It's not a crowd-pleaser, obviously, by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's a a, a, 105-minute British kitchen sink drama, effectively. Um, There is a sort of a pornographic element to it as well, In in terms of uh, the only way she can find a connection, for instance, to use like a chat roulette with the webcam blocked off, and how this can get out and revenge porn things like. And there's so much in it. I was genuinely hooked, beginning to end, on this.
1: Sounds pretty good.
0: Um, Yeah, terrific. Uh, We did get the link for it, by the way, if you would like to see it. uh, Yes, please. Yeah, Dirty God uh, out now. Just absolutely check that out with the latest film news and reviews. This is off screen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Ms. Coulson.
1: One last ride. Oh, you got to...
0: Ah, I, I was being very conscious of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> before we launch up with our, our last review of the radio listeners this week, uh, what, what news should we have? What, what's going to get us going here?
1: Uh, I think everyone that I know of is excited about Toy Story 4. So we really? have some news about that. Yeah, everyone loves Toy Story.
0: i got my screening invitation today. Oh, sure. Fancy a day out in London we can go. It's on mm. Saturday.
1: All right, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Apparently,
0: this is in the news.
1: What's going on with Toy Story? It's
0: going to have some cameos, Uh very specific cameos, having to do with older toys. So what they're going to do, apparently, is Uh they're going to get older stars. Right. Specifically, older comedy stars. Very, very specific kind of older comedy stars, Uh too. Very much the if you watch TV in the sixties and seventies kind of comedy stars. So,
1: Which I did, obviously.
0: Mel Brooks is going oh, to be one of them. Okay. Carol Burnett.
1: Carol Burnett.
0: I uh, know. Uh, Carl Reiner and Betty White. <gasps> yes.
1: I love Betty White.
0: They will each have uh, th- these. Are going to be so they're going to be uh, old baby toys.
1: All right, right. Okay. Right. So
0: obviously they've not been played within years. They're going to have like, lived in the cupboard in what's basically tr- in storage. It's going to be like a retirement home for toys. Right. And they can, like talk about the good old days and stuff like that. But these are the kind of names we're talking about that are not really going to hide who they're, who's playing them. Okay. So Melefant Brooks, <laughs> Chiral, Chiral Burnett, sure. Carl Rhinoceros, <laughs> and Bitey White. So June uh, June's going to see the well, this month. Sorry, he's going to see the release of Toy yeah, Story Four this month. Yeah, so we can look forward to that I can show you uh, images of them as well. By the way, these are uh, sure. these are what they will look like as well. So. Got
1: it. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, it's Toy Story Four. So you got that to look forward to. Of course, for me, it's all about Bo Peep coming back because you know, obviously, don't bury the lead on that one for me. Uh, in the meanwhile, let's move on then to our uh, big review. review. The what well, is it? A big review. Was Dark Phoenix
1: the big review? Is it the big review? Technically, I think Dark Phoenix was, but I think we're more excited about this
0: one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Oh, yeah, I did forget to talk about New Mutants, but I'll do that on podcast extras uh, as relation to... As relation to... In relation to uh, 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 Dark Phoenix. So, Late Night, which is the new movie uh, written by and starring Mindy Kaling. Directed by uh, Nisha Ganatra and also co-starring Emma Thompson, John Lithgow, Reed Scott, uh, Paul Walter Hauser... Uh, uh, Hugh Dancy Ike Baronholtz.
1: love
0: exactly so decent cast yeah yeah and also Ike Baronholtz and Mindy Kaling have a connection through the Mindy Project the show which I've never seen but I can just imagine you've seen at least half of
1: Yes, I think we we kind of stopped watching it, but not intentionally. Ah,
0: okay. Okay. Did you stop watching after when Christmasina stopped being hunky or something? Or?
1: I honestly can't remember. No, because because
0: we think we know it would never happen. It's good looking boys, good looking boy, boy Christmasina. Yeah. So, um, this is the story of a chemical plant worker named Molly. Played uh-huh. by Mindy Kaling, uh-huh. who wins an essay contest, gets you know to meet any person she wants, gets to have a meeting with anyone she wants. She chooses the head of this network, this head of this TV network, who gives her a job, gives her the chance to apply for a job in the writer's room of a late-night talk show, hence the clever title, Late Night. Got it. The talk show is presented by Catherine Newberry, a 55-year-old female presenter, one Mm. of the oldest women working on television. Because she's 55, she's deemed to be on the way out. She's told, you've got a year, and then we're going to replace you with the shock jock kind of comic played by Ike Barinholtz, who's played to be the biggest douche in the world.
1: He does that well.
0: He does that very well, Mm. yeah. And this coincides with Molly's arrival, at the at the at the show, uh-huh. as the only female writer in sure. what's effectively a boys' club, she finds something of a mentor mentee relationship with um, an initially very frosty Emma Thompson. And as they struggle to rediscover, you know, uh, Catherine Newberry, Emma Thompson's voice, they also struggle to find the new voice of the show itself. All whilst the pair of them deal with their own personal crises in the interim. So imagine, if you will. Uh, a little bit of Devil Wears Prada, a lot of morning glory, a lot of great news, if you ever saw that on Netflix. Love that. And a teeny bit of 30 Rock as well. OK, here's a clip of the two bonding.
1: Wow. Burdett is a baby in this photo. That was the first year we won the Emmy. It's good stuff back then. Oh, that must be Tom's dad. I mean, Seven's dad. It must be nice to inherit a job from your father. You know, he's not terrible just because he's privileged. If his very worst qualities are elitism and snobbery... That's not really all that bad, is it? Yeah, well, he thinks I'm a diversity hire. You're a diversity hire. What? You think no one ever accused me of sleeping my way to the top? I mean, the point is you're here. And if you want people to see you as something other than a diversity hire, you have to make them. It's not fair, but it never is for women.
0: So you can tell there is a very specific note that this could Mm -hmm. hit very effortlessly. And it does make a a decent enough stab at getting there. I mean, to be really honest, I expected a lot more. I think I expected something slightly sharper and higher brow from the fact that Mindy Kaling had written it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And weirdly as well, this is sort of apropos there, Mindy Kaling herself is perfectly fine in the movie, perfectly enjoyable, perfectly engaging, perfectly likeable. But again, you do sit and think... There's nothing that differentiates this from a Katherine Heigl character, an Anne Hathaway character, or an insert young act- an actress under forty character. here.
1: You can't put Katherine Heigl on the same sheet as Anne Hathaway. But you know what I mean. This How is the kind of thing you're used you use to... this
0: Like you know, this this could be Michelle Monaghan for all anyone sure. cares. Like yes. it, it, it's not, There's nothing really particularly except for a a slight amount of uh, of her own indistinct heritage. Yeah. Her own distinctive heritage story. Um, aside from that, there is nothing that differentiates that this is a character that Mindy Kaling has come up with, which I find really odd, given that Mindy Kaling's supposedly really good at that.
1: Yeah, that is kind of what she's. Yeah, about.
0: naturally, Emma Thompson's the rock star because why Pulse? is she not going to be? Uh, John Lithgow, only reason to have remade Pet Cemetery. Um, one of the big reasons. To see this, I love the man. He's just so lovely in this. He's so sweet. I just want to hug him.
1: Oh, I'm pleased that he's a nice person yeah.
0: in this. He's, he's lovely. If anything, he's victimised in this. Um, cast. There's a cast, sort of supporting cast, male, male cast, that's uh, kind of doing what they're known for. So Reed Scott is pretty much playing his character from Veep. Uh-huh. You know, and Paul Walter Hauser from I, Tonya and, and, and Cobra Kai, still playing that schlubby kind of slightly dim character again. Hugh Dancy's kind of the affable, lovable, love interest kind of a figure.
1: Yeah,
0: Everyone is playing to type. Like you said about Ike Barinholtz can play a douche. Well, of course he can. He, he does it all the time. He does. I thought the film was really enjoyable. It did keep me laughing. The hit rate's quite high for the gags. and. I would argue that where it falls apart is in the third act, because once the film feels the need to tie its plot mechanics together, mm-hmm. once it's allowed the characters to, to breathe out and actually become the focus of the story, yeah. when it comes time to actually become about plot again, it feels quite clunky and, and a little bit forced. It leans too heavily in the saccharine direction. It goes a bit too schmaltzy. yeah and then it becomes a bit worn and a bit tired, and it, it sends it off on a far worse note than you would like it to, because the first two thirds are really fun. Yeah. But it's kind of like long shot, though, in that regard. You do sit and think, that maybe you're overthinking it. If you just go into this and I just want a comedy for two hours, that's fine.
1: That's exactly what and, I was going to say. It's yeah. like, can you just kind of... Turn the brain off and just enjoy.
0: I would say that completely. And I would also, you just note personally, that I, I, I sat there at the beginning of this film thinking, I love that the set looks just like Seth Meyers' set. And then Seth Meyers turned up a few times. Of
1: course he did. And
0: God damn, I love Seth Meyers. <laughs> 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 only chat show I watch every day.
1: Really? Seth Seth
0: Meyers. And the only one I watch every day. <laughs> no. But yeah, late night. I mean, you, by all means, you definitely check it out. You would love this. Yes, it's the kind of film, I think if you saw it with your girls... You know, definitely. With works. my girls. See it with the girls. Although, again, go with John. As You know, it's a date movie. I think it works perfectly well. We're
1: married now. We don't do that. Do you
0: don't do date movies. <laughs> is, it, is it just like Tom Clancy dramas uh, and then occasionally once you sleep together is it kind of what it works now?
1: We don't even do that.
0: Oh, that's fair that's to say, fair to say. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so... this is the winning, so we've got to do a film of the week.
1: Go on, man, um, what's going to be? Well, I
0: don't know. I'm uh, guessing it's
1: not Dark Phoenix. Something, oh, something hell no.
0: <laughs> no Dark Phoenix, not ever. Um, no, I would say if I was going to give it to anything this week, I'd
1: probably give it to
0: As It Was.
1: Really? Yeah. I mean, wow. it's a
0: very strong week to very very strongly and I still would say as it was incidentally as it was because we we're recording this on Thursday the 6th. Yeah. This screens tonight in in cinemas. Okay. It goes on digital. So
1: go see it yesterday guys. Go
0: see it yesterday. Go see it on digital today.
1: Uh-huh. You
0: can buy it on digital and from Monday you can buy it on DVD and Blu-ray as well.
1: So it's so, the easy option out of the... It's the, the easy option, the- <laughs> and the best one. So go, 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 damn figure. Excellent.
0: Yeah, so obviously I will say, just for the radio list as well, Eating Animals is very good. That's a great documentary worth checking out uh, about the farming, the farm-packed... To- factory farming industry sorry not the farm Ugh, factory that sounds rough the farming rough. factory uh, factory farming <laughs> professional get it the right way factory farming and uh, yeah check that out that is definitely worth catching as well but yeah if you're going to see anything this weekend uh, buy as it was on digital <laughs> that would be my uh, my pick for the week
1: all right, excellent. What about next week then?
0: Next week. So we've got a documentary about Diego Maradona out next week.
1: Oh, pass.
0: Okay, we've got what I'm assuming is a documentary called Five Seasons The Gardens of P.F. Udolph. <gasps> P.F. Udolph? That P.F. P. Udolph?
1: Did you say On the Cincinnati
0: Udolphs. <laughs> uh, division. How many
1: Udolphs do you know, Van? <laughs>
0: exactly. Too many. There's <laughs> Jeff, Steve, Big <laughs> Philly, Little Philly. Why the old men? <laughs> Because the women always get married deliberately to change the names. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> right, OK, we've also got Division 19. We've got Sometimes, Always, Never. We've got We the Animals. And I don't know if you heard about this. M-I-B-I.
1: Woo! Maybe. Maybe. Men
0: in Black International is next week. So, the latest pairing of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, which apparently we are never going to get sick of. Good. True that. We need a new Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. That's all I'm saying. Nice. But yeah. So, oh, we make a War of the Roses with those two. Oh,
1: I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Right.
0: But, yes, no, we got all that to cut com- <laughs> all those to come. Not a remake of War of the Roses. All those to come next week, otherwise off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a really, candy store from a Movie Marker. I've been Van Conner.
1: I've been Kelly Coulson. Ah,
0: and we shall return.
1: Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way.
0: You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk.
1: OK, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast Extras.
0: So, Miss Coulson, let's talk about, uh, including uh, whether or not to eat animals, which I already know your position on. You do. But uh, we should uh, cycle through the film news, because we were off last week, so we've got uh, a a couple of things to get to.
1: You want me to hit you with one? Hit me with one. one.
0: Hit me with your rhythm stick.
1: Well, you know Blumhouse.
0: I'm familiar with them. They
1: like to make a movie.
0: They're familiar. They're they're, they're fond of, of putting out one or two, yes.
1: Well, I think they're running out of ideas, to be honest.
0: Oh no! Um, I've heard. I think I've heard, heard this. this. Go on. Which, which is it? What I think it is.
1: So they've decided to develop a, a movie, presumably a, a horror movie, <laughs> okay. um, which is based on the Magic Eight Ball. Hang on, wasn't that Shazam? Um, kinda. Yeah, it was literally Shazam, wasn't it? There you go. I mean, the the article about it is is so short. There's there's so little information, but yeah. it actually spends, I would say, at least half of it just explaining. What a magic eight ball is. So, yeah, we know nothing.
0: Yeah, do you know? I still don't understand. The magic eight ball is literally heavy water with a a, a dice inside, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Or 12 sided die or whatever?
1: 20, apparently.
0: 20? Oh, okay. Then fair enough.
1: You learn something new every day. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that eventually. Huh. I'm sure it's fine.
0: So you know we had the news that obviously uh, Pattinson got cast as as Batman and sure whatever, you know, doesn't necessarily mean the film will be bad. I mean good. at
1: this point fine, it could be anyone.
0: Could. You know, to Batfleck <laughs> Does anyone care? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know you're a shit. Just go who you want. You want Jeremy Beadle resurrected and playing Batman? We will do that. We're okay, we're down
1: for it. Okay, we're down.
0: <laughs> but have you heard about how they actually made this decision?
1: No, and so, I wonder about it. It was down to two. Oh God, who was the other one? Nicholas Holt. What? And they chose Robert Pattinson.
0: I guess better to actually properly put them through the ring. And what they did was they had them both screen test. In bat suits.
1: Uh huh.
0: Bat suits that belonged to previous Batmen. Okay. Yeah. So there's a decent chance. Which one got bat nips? I have no idea. I hope it was Holt. I feel <laughs> like they didn't work for him. He'd have had a laugh with it. I'm sure. That's probably was. what happened. They probably gave Nicholas Holt the one with the bat nips. He had too much fun with it. And they thought, well, he, he, he's not brooding enough, clearly. Look at him, he's giggling. You know? But apparently each went in with their own deal pre-prepared as well. Like oh, pre-prepared okay. and pre-negotiated. Apparently Rob Pattinson is down for three movies. That's going to be a thing. So he, he's in for the trilogy. I mean, I
1: don't know, because that says a lot. that They've not locked him in for like seven, eight, nine or whatever.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, in this day and age, though. I mean, maybe they have options on like spin-offs and things. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, yeah, the film will start production in Q1 2020. Which is just corporate corporate enough to make you think, yeah, that sounds just like Warner Brothers. (laughs) So, so um, Ben Wheatley, one of my favourite filmmakers. No,
1: I've not forgiven him.
0: Yeah, Um, he is going to he is going to be making a a new adaptation of uh, Rebecca, the Daphne du Maurier novel.
1: Because we've not had it enough.
0: We've we've not. No, we have not. He's making this for Netflix. It's going to be written by Jane Goldman. Presumably because his usual writer and partner, Amy Jump, is busy on that other film at the moment. What film? Tomb Raider 2. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so this is going to be made for Netflix and working so it's not time. a real movie, then. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. But uh, it's going to start. Anne Dowd, Sam Riley, Ben Crompton, Kristen Scott Thomas, Lily James, Keeley Hawes and Army Hammer.
1: Oh, all right, then. So, Very yeah, well repeat your it. interest. <laughs> Changed my mind about
0: it. Yeah, it's a like Bury the Leech, shall we? <laughs> this week, right, they, they talked... Well, this is the weird thing. Right, Zach Stentz, who was one of the writers on Thor and X-Men First Class, he has uh, been uh, on a few podcasts and doing some interviews lately. Sure. And uh, well, one of the things that's, uh, that's come up is that uh, he was quite involved in Fox's attempt to set up a shared universe uh-huh. when we famously got Fan4Stick. Uh Yes.
1: How'd that work out for you? Well,
0: I know exactly. But he has revealed something interesting that nobody knew about. And okay. that is that when they were working on X-Men First Class, Fox tasked he and his ex-writing partner with a secret project for them. Okay. A secret project that would have crossed over all the Marvel characters that Fox had in 2011.
1: Which were X-Men, Fan Fantastic Four, Stick.
0: and Daredevil.
1: Uh Oh.
0: Yes, this was a thing that was going to happen. It almost had Paul Greengrass directing as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, which would have definitely been an interesting way to go.
1: It does smack of like, crap, piggly, we've got piggly. these characters, like yeah. just chuck them in. Like, they, it doesn't quite make sense, but hey-ho.
0: They also uh, did a draft of the Fantastic Four movie that apparently got tossed out as soon as Josh Trank came in. Yeah. OK, so let's talk about uh, eating animals then, which, if we must. as I text you, was a documentary that was on the verge of sending me plant-based. Uh, yeah, I'm, well. I'm a rather prolific carnivore. So this that is a documentary say. that examines basically our, as a culture, our dietary choices, how we choose to eat, how we choose to view you know, uh, uh, livestock and mm-hmm. the meat products that we have in our lives, and the constraints that that puts upon the industry tasked with producing that meat pro- that mm-hmm. meat and that poultry and how that has forced them to take on certain methods. And we have fundamentally changed the entire nature of farming to the extent that we have uh, uh, potentially endangered it as a practice. Uh So many independent farmers, for instance, have been forced to shut down because of the demands of human consumption of meat, that the actual traditional methods of farming could well be gone in a generation. It could literally be no one... Because
1: too expensive to complete. Exactly,
0: too expensive, yeah. too antiquated, too slow for the needs of the human race. All of which is directed by Natalie Portman in one of those brilliant faux classy ways that just says, we really want this to be taken seriously at a festival, which is you know, nonsense because the film's perfectly good. In fact, I'll tell you what, here's a clip. People think turkeys as being stupid and you know drowned in the rain, all this stuff, which isn't true. You know, that had more to do with just really bad care. Now, the other side of it is that the modern industrial turkey that everybody buys at Thanksgiving is a lot stupider. But that's because men, when they've decided to take the turkey off the land and house them in buildings, actually began to select for stupidity. Because if you have an animal that you don't want it to do anything, you want just to eat and stand there, and gain weight, you don't want it to have any
1: intelligence.
0: Yeah, starting to get the picture, are we? Yeah, I know. I don't
1: even what?
0: Literally the idea that they that turkeys, for instance, are bred to be as stupid as possible because they're not gonna want they're not gonna be inquisitive enough to wanna get up and look around, are they? And oh, that's it's just the horrific. idea. And the film is very much a lot like Blackfish, which is always my go-to point for this stuff. One of those documentaries that is interesting and does show you things and does get you thinking, but in one of those ways that you're going to want to intentionally put a lot of it out of your mind afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I literally had this coming from the curry house earlier. (laughs) Just thinking to myself on the walk back to the car, I need to forget about that documentary because I've seen things now that I never want to see. And the idea that so much inbreeding, for instance, and the the lucidious way that some of these companies get through regulations, bypass rules and cut corners. For instance, the uh, the the obvious one in the film, and this goes back to the John Oliver thing as well, Uh um, was the idea of. Caged versus free range. Uh Free range, you know, has that connotation of we think it means you know they're running around merrily, happy. happy running around merrily in a nice green field in the sunlight. When in reality, all it means is they're just in a big shed, yeah. but they're not in boxes.
1: They can't move, but that's just because yeah. there's so many of them squished into a room.
0: Exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean anything better. And the stuff we get to see in this, like at one point, one of the, uh, an, uh, a, a, a poultry farmer who has since become a whistleblower uh-huh. and was actually part of the John Oliver deep dive all those years ago, uh-huh. shows us firsthand when he breaks into one of these sheds. If you pick one of these chickens up, you can bend their leg the entire way back, they don't even flinch. Jeez, it's disturbing shit. Like Ugh. really, really nasty stuff.
1: I mean, and, I, I don't think I can ever watch this. I'm a vegetarian and have been for 27 years, so you know, no it, guilt from me. It, <laughs> I don't think I could watch this.
0: It's not just a slaughterhouse piece. That I mean, it, like I say, it does have a sociological look. So it starts mm. off by explaining what the problem, by explaining how we created the problem. It then looks into the true horrors of the problem. Yeah. Then looks into possible solutions, and this is when you oh, start getting good. into. Uh, they talk to a lot of people, for instance, who run plant-based companies, uh-huh. who are coming up with meat alternatives yeah. and things like that, so you could actually just skip to the last half hour, you'd be fine. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we learn a lot about the the methods by which, for instance, they are striving to come up with synthetic meat replacements, because yeah. it's not only even th- that we are you know, hurting the animals, we're hurting ourselves, as the film literally opens by telling us, and here's something I genuinely didn't know. Uh-huh. When you've got an enormous farm, an industrial scale farm. Yeah. Uh, in fact, let's explain the factory farming thing. Yeah. First of all. The idea is that after post-World War II, when there was the population spike caused by the baby boomers, yeah. meat consumption leapt up. And the US government, for instance, and all, you know, other governments around the world, this specifically applies to America, but we're, we're implied it's other countries around the world as well. Um, the government got into bed with these meat companies, mm-hmm. promoted the agendas of them as, as part of, you know, the great lifestyle and all this stuff. But because the population spiked as well, the methods of farming needed to change to keep up with the demand. This also coincided, incidentally, with the rise of fast food. Of course. In particular, led, led by Ray Kroc and Harlan Sanders.
1: Ah, screw you guys.
0: Yeah. A lot of interview footage of Colonel Sanders in this, I must say.
1: And does he look just like the
0: logo? Of course he does. <laughs> of course he does. A bit more pink, actually. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> but... Uh, so, one of the things we're shown in the beginning, though, is that when you have a pig farm, for instance, it's pigs in these massive, you know, metal shed-like buildings, like aircraft hangar sized sheds, mm-hmm. that... The way that the, uh, the the sort of toilet facilities in that work are the floors made of slattered wood. Uh-huh. And all of the animal's excrements, all of its urine and feces, simply goes into a sluice underneath the building that is then filtered through pipes outside into a massive pond.
1: Ooh, it's kind of like Leeds Fest.
0: Mm hmm. And they call it. what's it called pink? Poop pond? No, it's called it's called pink something. It's got like a really cutesy name. Mm. But in reality, it's, it's effectively it, it's effectively toxic fumes. This thing's putting out because it's it's not lined or anything.
1: Gee, these these tanks aren't
0: lined. They're are lined. They're literally holes in the ground that is just being filled up with thousands of gallons of pig shit and pig urine. And this is putting out fumes. That it's it's damaging the ground around them. It's killing the topsoil, for instance. It's well, going, yeah, going deeper, and that's affecting the ability to grow crops in the area as well. So it's a weird thing. It tells you every stage. Although, admittedly, Daniel Sloss did this a lot quicker and better in his most recent stand-up act. But uh,
1: if you say so,
0: I, I'm 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 very learned when it comes to my comedians and their news talk.
1: You're so learned. <laughs> so I mean, this sounds like a really grim film.
0: Gripping as hell though.
1: Who's gonna watch it? Who's gonna if watch question. it? question. Uh,
0: I mean I mean I watched it for work, admittedly, but
1: Exactly. Would you have watched this off your own back, do you think? As a as a you know rabid carnival?
0: Wednesday night, nine PM film four, I'm flicking through the TV, it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah. I'd, I'd have watched But you it. do love a documentary full stop. I like a documentary. I don't think you can go wrong with a decent doc.
1: I think this is, there's a lot of, uh, you know, again, as a vegetarian for 27 years, there's still a lot of stigma <laughs> associated.
0: No, when you do it, you sound like those arse. was like, well, speaking as a parent. As,
1: as a vegetarian <laughs> for 27 years. You're
0: thinking, oh, But there is it. still
1: a lot of stigma associated with... Mm. You know as much as there's been the rise of the vegans there's still a lot of stigma associated with it, and i can't imagine many people going out of the way to to watch this
0: well i can i could I suppose I could see that yeah
1: so what impact has it had on you then, apart from trying to forget parts of it well
0: at that, that moment I only saw it yesterday, and i've only sort of gone out for dinner once since so. and
1: you and you chose the chicken
0: I still chose the chicken ticket yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay, It was that. a fail. Yeah, I I I clearly failed the But test. you
1: recommend it or not?
0: Uh, I do recommend it. I think it's a very good documentary. But, oh, oh, it was narrated by Natalie Portman by the way, not directed
1: by. Ah, right. Okay.
0: What was I going to tell you about New Mutants? Um New Mutants is going to going to be released theatrically apparently.
1: Still. And this is the one they've reshot to be a horror film?
0: Yeah, apparently they've got to reshot it, reshoot it again yet though.
1: Did not be a horror film.
0: I have no idea anymore. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be the last canonical X-Men. Uh, movie from Fox, though.
1: By the time they reshoot it, then the the kids presumably are going to be in like the fifties.
0: Presumably, yeah, yeah, they're all meant to be teenagers. But that was four years ago. I think, the thing was shot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the thing with that was I couldn't understand why release it theatrically, and then I saw X Men. Sorry, saw Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. and now I think yeah, you'd want to take any shot you could get at sending this franchise out with at least the faint potential stab at some kind of dignity, and that's yeah, the good only luck. exploration I have,
1: uh... I have very little faith, I'm going to be honest with you.
0: (laughs) The director of My Dinner with Herve, Sasha Gervaisi, is going to follow in the footsteps of such titans as Dexter Fletcher and a third of Dexter Fletcher (laughs) and direct a musical biopic. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: His will also focus on an icon, Kelly, an icon indeed, a true icon of British music.
1: Is it Zayn Malik?
0: No, it's Boy George, but. Boy George!
1: <laughs> <laughs> or the scrape in the barrel. Sorry, the, the
0: populist subgenre that's. Sorry, the new subgenre we refer to is populist biopics about UK LGBT musicians who hit it big in the 70s and 80s. That's very specific.
1: I mean, I guess he falls into that category, so yeah, sure.
0: Look, you make as many of these as you want until I get goddamn Dominic Cooper in a George Michael biopic. I'd I knew you were going to say
1: George Michael.
0: Yeah, Domin- you give me Dominic Cooper as George Michael, that's a movie I want to see.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I Just guess. imagine picture the faith video. Yeah. You can see it, can't yeah. you? Yeah. Dominic Cooper in, in the in the tight I jeans so. the, Yeah, you totally can.
1: I, I'm I'm my money's on James Corden for it.
0: But really? <laughs> no, I don't know. Not. I mean I've, se- I've seen him do I've seen him get worse, you know, more offensive opportunities to be honest. So
1: Speaking of, <laughs> yeah. I know it's T V
0: Oh God. The yeah, Gavin and it.
1: Stacey Christmas special. Does anyone care? Can't oh, just I totally the other care. Couple? Yeah, but no one actually cares about Gavin and Stacey. No, but that was always the point. They care about they? the other couple. Yeah, that Are was always the couple? point. They have a kid, don't they? They have a kid. Yeah. I think they, they ended it, spoiler alert, uh, I, I think they were kind of together. Yeah. It, it seemed that way, but it was a very short clip at the end. But I'm definitely interested in this. I love Gavin and Stacey.
0: You want to belt out some TV news real quick? Yeah, go on then. All right, so uh, let's see then. What have we just had? Oh, Swamp Thing. Uh,
1: uh, okay. Cancelled
0: one week after it premiered.
1: Ooh. Premieres
0: May 31st, cancelled June 6th.
1: How did they make that decision so quickly? What was that based on? They
0: shut down the production whilst it was still going and said we're not going to make any more, then decided they were going to premiere it anyway as if it was going to be a surprise, and then cancelled it as if to seem shocking. What a
1: strange decision.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. NBC, meanwhile, are planning a TV adaptation of The Adventures of Professor Langdon. Robert Langdon from the Da Vinci Code series? Huh? Yeah. You know the guy from Angels and Demons and is Inferno,
1: the, uh, the Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks? Yeah,
0: they're making a TV show about that cat.
1: Yeah, because everyone loves that series.
0: Mm. And have you ever done book heckling?
1: I don't even know what that is. I'm going book to say heckling.
0: no. Right, book heckling is a thing. It was invented by Mark Thomas, the comedian activist. Uh-huh. What you do is you get a small piece of paper uh-huh. in which you write a heckle for a book.
1: Uh huh. Right.
0: You then go to a bookshop and slip that heckle into that book.
1: Man, that's a... Uh... It's
0: a real dedicated thing. It's a
1: real dedicated thing. I know, he's a real dedicated thing. <laughs> With no thing. payoff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But... <laughs> I always said, though, that I would do it, and I did want to get to. Uh-huh. So I went to a branch of W.H. Smith's, and inside a copy of Angels and Demons, uh-huh. I put the heckle, if you think it's far-fetched now, wait till you get to the skydiving Pope. <laughs> I know.
1: And who do you like to imagine actually picked that book up?
0: I really hope it was my childhood English teacher.
1: (laughs) And they still recognised your handwriting.
0: (laughs) No, I typed it, obviously. I'm not not a complete fucking savage. Come on. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Can we talk Gillian Bell?
0: Yeah, let's talk Gillian Bell. Go on.
1: Uh, So uh, Amazon Studios have released the trailer for the upcoming comedy drama with Mm. Gillian Bell. That disappoints me. I'm all for the comedy, like yeah, less of the drama. Uh, but it's called Britney Runs a Marathon. Is
0: it Amazon Prime, this, though? Is that what it's going to be?
1: I don't know. I know it's Amazon Studios. i will uh, be Amazon, Amazon there Prime. There we go. Prime. I imagine it'll come on Prime. Oh, actually,
0: they usually do like a good uh, release window of about three months earlier, I think, and then they do it on the service. Sure. Right.
1: So basically, we'll be able to stream it pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's basically it's about Gillian Bell. Uh, she's 27. She's a New Yorker. She parties hard. You know, She looks like Gillian Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to the doctor, and they basically say... Bitch, you got to get healthy. So, uh, looks like Gillian Bell loses a bunch of weight in this movie. Do you
0: feel like she's trying to make up for that one? What was that TV show on Netflix last year about the uh, plus-size chick who got bullied, has an accident, comes back thin?
1: Oh, what was that called? Oh, I know the one you mean. really
0: offended people, didn't it? You remember?
1: It was pretty offensive. It had the, the
0: bitch chick from Life of the Party as yes. the lead in it.
1: God, what was that called? We're gonna to have to look that
0: oh, up. Oh my God, Insatiable! I
1: want to say. Oh, that, Is that sounds insatiable? about right. Yeah, like that. Insatiable. Yeah.
0: Oh God. That
1: was terrible. I did. I started to watch that. and It was. Terrible. Wasn't
0: Alyssa Milano in that?
1: Was she? Oh, was it? yeah. She was like the mom of the friend or something. That's I don't know. Depressing. Anyway,
0: to me. that's absolutely depressing. But
1: basically, Gillian Bell's gone for the thing that all plus-size movie stars do, and she's lost a bunch of weight.
0: She's Rogan that shit.
1: She she has. Okay, fair She's fair. Joan Hill.
0: Oh, uh, some sad news, also in the realm of TV, uh, by the way, is uh, Silicon Valley got cancelled. I-, I poured one out from my home, niece when I heard that.
1: I'm not surprised by that, given who one of the stars was. Is he still in it? I think
0: it was written out years ago. Oh, well. Yeah, when all that kicked off, they wrote him out. <laughs> in fact, the whole thing about TJ Miller started with them riding him out of Silicon Valley. Oh,
1: really? Because
0: apparently he was throwing his weight around.
1: And they uh, were like, uh-uh.
0: He was throwing his weight around to the extent of his actual character on the show, because his character on the show's a bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah, he's a
1: right douche. And
0: he apparently is exactly the goddamn same.
1: I'm, apparently, I'm surprised he was by
0: that. always drunk or high. He was abusive. He never showed up on time. He kept making demands. He considered himself the star of the show. Oh, i am
1: not surprised?
0: They wrote him out. The series has, to be honest, been as good, if not a little bit better, since he left.
1: And but now they cancelled it.
0: And now they cancelled it. It's got, I think it's got another six episodes. They're gonna make like this year.
1: How many seasons is that? Then six. That will be six. That's a good run. Nice oh, that's that's good a run. run. That right uh, number.
0: To the Pied Piper boys. Um,
1: tell me about Tarantino.
0: Yes, Tarantino apparently has uh, set a writer, Jared Carmichael, mm-hmm. to co-write a film with him based on the crossover comic book series uh, that teams up Django from, Django, Chained, and
1: from Django and from Django Unchained uh-huh.
0: with Zorro.
1: What is in Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Oh God, I hope it's well, Antonio actually, Banderas strictly
0: speaking not.
1: Okay.
0: Right. So the Django in the co- the, the, the sorry the the Zorro in the comic book uh-huh. is Diego de la Vega which is actually Anthony Hopkins' character from Mask of Zorro because
1: who's his mentor in the if yeah, I remember right. Yeah, rightly. that's
0: Diego de la Vega. Right. I forget Banderas' name.
1: I guess timing-wise, that probably makes more sense. Probably does,
0: yeah. But yeah, this is the idea that Django encounters Zorro and becomes his bodyguard and they go on, they go on an adventure together.
1: So Zorro needs a bodyguard, that's what you're telling me.
0: <sighs> I know, I don't get it.
1: And Tarantino's doing it.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Sure, I mean... The, I mean, the circumstances swearing. of
0: who's actually working on it are a bit up in the air. It is tied to Sony, though, because they like him at the moment. They like Tarantino post uh, once part-time in Hollywood. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, speaking of the Gillian Bell thing, about her losing weight, by the way, he got me thinking about uh, like Captain America when he looks so skinny. And yeah.
1: yeah. There was a
0: series on YouTube that sort of started recently on YouTube, and it's a visual effects artist uh-huh. who watch big effects moments from movies and tell you if it works, if it doesn't. And why on either count?
1: Oh, I love this. See, there's a similar uh-huh. trend with like vocal coaches doing the same thing with singers. Mm. I love this stuff.
0: Well, these guys. I mean, and, and in the space of one video, they'll take on like 15 movies. Yeah, yeah. And they'll take, for instance, the trailer for Aladdin, and uh-huh. they'll tell you why the genie looks so weird in that moment. I love that. And it's for weird that that genie one, for instance, is like for weird reasons that you wouldn't think.
1: That's it because it's often that I'll sit watching mm. a film thinking. I don't understand why I don't like what I'm looking at.
0: His face is too small.
1: Is that what it is?
0: His face is too small and the shading's wrong. It's actually a different hue to the rest of the body.
1: Love that. That's why it looks weird. Love that.
0: So they do all sorts of stuff like that where they go through and they tell you, well, actually what they've done here is they've not removed that line. They do the Paul Walker ending from Furious 7, for instance. Oh, yeah. And they tell you that that shot of him in the car, for instance, where that's actually immediately obvious, even if you don't realise it, that it's an effect is in the shirt collar, because the shirt collar doesn't line up.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, I weird. love that. I need yeah. to watch this.
0: There's also a shot in Jurassic Park where a raptor disappears for one single frame. Mm. And then the next frame returns. Uh. Yeah, it's in the mouth of the T-Rex at the time. Oh. Yeah.
1: You'd think you could have You know the very end that. of the first movie,
0: when yeah, the yeah. T-Rex bursts in and takes out the two raptors? Yeah, yeah. When the Rex has got one of the raptors in its mouth, and he's swinging it round. yeah. You pause and go frame by frame through the raptors, raptor being swung around in his mouth. There is one frame where the where the T-Rex's head stays in exactly the position it's meant to be. Yeah. But the raptor is simply removed from the image. Like they've, they've forgotten they've to forgot slot to it in. They forgot to put it in. Yeah, in
1: that one frame. Oh, I like this. Can you remember what the channel's called? Uh,
0: offhand, I don't remember, but it is uh, it's called the they work for a special effects company, I believe, called the Corridor.
1: Okay, so if we if we pop that into you know our favourite search engine, we it's may well. It's they're it.
0: called the corridor crew.
1: The corridor crew,
0: and it's VFX artists react to that's the series. Love it. And entries that are just up on my screen, I've got a bunch of them here. Uh, VFX artists react to resurrected actors, bad and great CGI. Mm. So they look at Paul Walker, they look at uh, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, they look at Oliver Reed in Gladiator. Uh huh. Things like that. Uh VFX artists react to Marvel Bad and Great CGI. Love. And for instance, they hate Civil War, but they love uh Doctor Strange.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh Sonic the Hedgehog obviously got near an entire video. Oh man. But there's just loads of these. VFX Re artists uh VFX artist reacts to top ten worst CGI effects. Yeah. That's
1: it, I'm falling into a YouTube hole later.
0: No, I think you could. Yeah. Corridor crew they're called
1: corridor crew and it's just
0: three guys one of them is very excitable and a lot like Anthony from Queer Eye oh, but, but the nerdy VFX he's my VFX least favourite of the
1: Queer Eye Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Anthony's your least favourite absolutely my I bet your
0: favourite is Bobby isn't it
1: no that's John's favourite is it mine's favourite Mine, mine's favourite my favourite's Jonathan of course it
0: is of course it is.
1: Absolutely it. Actually, openness. I
0: will say this about Bobby. Bobby is the absolute rock star of Queer Eye. Bobby is the guy who, whilst they're off doing haircuts and flouncing around clothing outlets,
1: uh-huh. builds a fucking house. True that. He does. He does knock it out of the park. To be fair, to I him. mean Jesus. I mean I know we never
0: actually see the enormous work crew that presumably helps him.
1: Well, yeah, of course. But.
0: The man redecorates an entire house in a matter of days and they never give him the props.
1: I agree. He doesn't get... And that's exactly John's point. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves, especially when you compare, as much as I love him, but Bobby's role to Karamo.
0: Yeah, Karamo. <laughs> oh, just tell him he's great on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Come on.
1: <laughs> we know what's going to happen in Karamo. You're oh. going to make him say, I am good, I am strong, and then that's it.
0: You could replace Karama with a fucking iPad. It's true, although it wouldn't be as beautiful. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, and he would not have so many amazing jackets.
1: True, Dad. And I love him. I do love it. him, but, you know. Final piece of waiting, news though. from me
0: for the week, then. Go though. on, then. Okay, so um, kind of an obvious one. We kind of assumed this would happen in some capacity, hopefully. Um, it has been confirmed. Tony Todd
1: uh-huh. is
0: going to be in the reboot of Candyman that Jordan Peele is producing.
1: Oh, really? So
0: Tony Todd will appear in some capacity.
1: I mean, it had to, right?
0: Yeah, he just says one day out of the blue, I got a phone call from Jordan Peele. Like, <laughs> of course, as
1: you do. Yeah. That's one day. <laughs> oh,
0: I don't know. Um, apparently, uh, this is this is the thing. There's no idea yet quite who's going to play the Candyman. So uh-huh. uh, Yaya abdul is he the second or the third? The second. Who is the villain in Aquaman? You know the manta ray dude. <sighs> Vaguely, he was the he was Lupita's dad in Us, okay. Yeah, he he is an artist who becomes obsessed with the legend of the Candyman. I'm not sure if he becomes the Candyman or couldn't tell you, but uh, yeah, he, he's in it anyway.
1: I mean, the fact that Jordan Peele's involved means that I'm in, just so. makes you
0: want to see it, isn't it? Just for that, Jordan Peele's producing, I mean, I'm in,
1: I'm in. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, that about wraps it up for me this week, though. Yeah, me too. Well, in which case, here it is your moment of cage. Again, thank you so much for the Transylvania
1: Trophy. I love these two words. Let me say it again. I love the way we sound together. You ready? Transylvania Trophy. I will put this trophy on the nightstand next to my bed, and when I'm feeling lonely at 3 in the morning... I will think of my friends here in Transylvania, and I will also think of the children of the night, the wolves, the bats, and the count himself, and my heart will be warm. Anyway, no more words. Action speaks louder than words. Action now. Enjoy